Welcome to the Outcomes Rocket Podcast, where we inspire collaborative thinking, improved outcomes, and business success with today's most successful and inspiring healthcare leaders and influencers. And now your host, Saul Marquez. Welcome back to the podcast. Today, I have the privilege of hosting Dr. Lakshman Swami. He's a fellow in pulmonary and critical care medicine at Boston Medical Center. His interests focus on teaching and evaluating the safety and delivery of care, especially in the field of pulmonary and critical care medicine. He's passionate about equitable and cost-effective health care. See his keynote about joy and burnout. It is a good one. We'll leave a link for that in the show notes. It was uh, in 2016 that he gave it at the British Columbia Quality Forum. Lakshman recently served as co-chair for the 2015 Annual Forum for Quality Improvement in Healthcare. And he's been a keynote speaker and debate participant at major QI conferences. He recently served as a resident member on the ACGME CLER evaluation committee and is focusing his research on the importance of clinician well-being, specifically the impact of burnout in ICU clinicians on patient outcomes. These topics are critical for everybody listening and it's a privilege that I open up the microphone to Dr. Swami to join us. Welcome. Oh, thank you so much, Saul. It's really an honor and, and Lakshman is fine. You know, I think this is, it's, it just got me smiling to hear about everything you were saying about, I haven't thought about some of that stuff in a while, but really I'm a, I'm a clinician at heart, you know, in, in the ICU and pulmonary clinic, but through my sort of training, my MBA, my, my medical training, my experience with quality safety, medical education, I think the thing that really stands out is that the way that we deliver care is so fragmented and broken, and it, it has a really negative impact on the people receiving that care, patients, as well as the people delivering it, the doctors, nurses, therapists, everyone else. So I think it's, it's just exciting to be in this realm and, and talk about this right now with you. Thank you for that. Yeah, and, and, I, and I couldn't agree more, Lakshman, and the quadruple aim is, is something that I think folks that strive for it are really going down the right path. Now, I'd love to hear from you, what, what made you decide to get into the healthcare sector? Oh, yeah. You know, actually, uh, as a college student, I wanted to be a classics major. And then you know, I, uh, I was a classics major. Oh, really? Oh, that's yeah. Fantastic. <laughs> yeah. No, you know, I just had such a love for sort of like the mythology and how it tied into the history and what was happening and how it informed so much of the way we think today. But mm -hmm. I kind of got a little more interested in initially psychology and neuroscience, and I started to feel more and more like I, I wanted to help people. You know, we all have those stories of people in our, in our lives who yes. were sick or something, and, and I found that in, in medicine. But the more I got into it, I found that sometimes the way that we care for people and, and really the culture that we've built around caring for people can actually be pretty toxic to both patients and the people who are, you know, delivering that care. So, so I've become like really interested now in, in addressing that sort of toxic atmosphere. Yeah, no, I think it's wonderful. And hey, you're obviously smarter. You went forward with a different career path. <laughs> no, no, not at all. It's, it teaches us so much, you know, like being in, being in touch with that is, is uh, so important, I think. No, I agree. But nevertheless, hey, man, here we are, right? We're both in healthcare. You're doing some fantastic work in the field of, of burnout for clinicians, physicians. It's such a critical time to do that with suicide rates being at an all-time high. You know, mental health 
now taking a center stage. We're caring about it. What do you think needs to be on health leaders' agendas today, and how are you approaching it? Yeah, you know, I think that's that's such an important question. You know, for for leadership, I think first of all, it's it's disheartening, but such a common sentiment. You see it on social media, on Twitter, everywhere, and you hear it all the time in the hospital and the clinic that clinicians really feel like leaders don't get it, right? They feel like they're totally disconnected. They have no idea what's going on. And I think that's a little unfair. I think leadership has a lot of its own challenges to face. There's a lot going on at that level that takes up a lot of time and effort. But I think the biggest thing that leaders can kind of focus on to try to address these issues is is just to ask the question, what is actually happening on the front lines of care? What's it like to really be a patient in my organization? And what's it like to be the nurse, the doctor, the therapist trying to care for that patient? What are we doing as leaders to make that better, to make the job of caring, to make that easier? right? To make the job easier. Mm -hmm. What are we doing to make the suffering of being a patient less? I think all of these things really, it's sort of the same thing. The same solutions apply to a lot of this together. If you're creating that kind of environment where a patient can sleep at night, then that's also helping the environment for the nurses, for the doctors who are working at night. It all kind of goes together, I think. It's sort of that idea of going to Gemba and lean language. Like I think leadership needs to get out there. And for me, I remember, you know, when I was uh, a chief medical resident, I felt like all of my work was on this computer, right? And I'd mm-hmm. be sitting there doing like schedules and doing all these projects, quality projects and all that stuff. And, I, and it felt so counterintuitive to just get up and go walk around and talk to people. Yeah. But when I did that, every single time I did that, I felt like it was the most valuable thing I did that day. Mm. That's awesome. And yet when I was back at my desk, it was like, nah, I can't make time for that today. So it's yeah. so, you know, I get it. It's hard to, it's, it's, it's an intangible, it's not measured, right? But it really makes a huge difference. Yeah, no, that's a great call out. And, and Lakshman, tell me about your work at Joy at Work. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So I think there's sort of two facets to all of this. So, you know, you mentioned the suicide rates. I mean, it's terrifying, right? Mm -hmm. And it's happening. We are more and more knowing someone who that's happened to. So there's that extreme. And then there's all the depression that sort of leads up to it. And then I think I see sort of as as a little bit of a related but distinct issue is the burnout that so vastly many people are feeling, you know, 30 to 50% of doctors, nurses, all, you know, people are really feeling that. And that's a little different in that it's not like all of those people are having thoughts of hurting themselves, but they certainly have lost that energy at work. They certainly lost that empathy, right? And Mm -hmm. it's having, I think, a real impact, not only on the care they're delivering in the patients, but on their own experience. So there's sort of two ways of looking at this. I think the one way is addressing the burnout and the drivers of the burnout. And I think paired with that has to be looking at the joy side, because it's sort of not enough to make us the most efficient, to remove all the barriers to delivering excellent care. There's got to be something else that has brought all of us to this profession in whatever way we are engaging with caring for people, right? And I think that's where the joy at work really comes into play. It's It's to look at how are people, how are organizations bringing that out and bringing the light out again and saying, like, people are enjoying the work. People did come here for a reason. This isn't actually a war, right? Mm -hmm. It's not. Like, we use that language a lot. Like, I use that language a lot, being on the front lines of care. And it feels, it has that feeling a lot of the time, but that's not actually what it is. 
we're here to care for people and we're here to be humans with each other. So I think there's so much room and, and reason to find joy at work that that's why we came to this work and we can really bring that out. So especially through the Institute for Healthcare Improvement, I look at things through that lens of saying, where is the joy? How do we find it? How do we bring it out? Well, I think it's wonderful to approach it that way. Change the the question you ask and uh, and just take a look at it from a different perspective. And it's amazing what you'll find. One of my favorite things that I, that I learned is a simple shift in words. When something happens, rather than saying, hey, this happened to me, I look at it and say, this happened for me. And that simple shift of two to four, you're yeah, like, okay, yeah. you know, where's the bigger purpose here? Yeah. And it goes oh, like back it. to your point of joy, right? And, and uh, so love it. tell me a little bit more about um, just something you've done or, or at one of the roles you've served and how you guys have been able to make things better for physician burnout. Sure. So, you know, I think I really believe that burnout is predominantly a systems driven, right? Mm-hmm. So, I, I, you know, the rates of burnout are so high that I think it's so flawed and unfair and untrue to say it's because people sort of aren't resilient enough. I think people are catching on to that more and more that you can't just say like, let's agree with you, you know, yoga classes and all that stuff's important. But the truth is, I think it's the work that is the problem, right? Burnout is a problem that arises from the work. And I think the way that we address it is to tackle the work and to make the work better. And that comes in a few different flavors. So I'll, hmm. I'll say like, for example, one part of that is, is quality improvement. One part of that is, is saying, you know, the people who are actually delivering the care and the people receiving it, they're the local content experts, right? And they're the ones who know how things are done. They know the workarounds, they know the problems. So, um, you know, again, I, I'm thinking about, uh, we actually published this, but there was a project we did as, um, when I was a chief resident at the VA in Boston, where we kind of flipped the education paradigm um, upside down. And we said, instead of trying to teach quality improvement and teach all this stuff, let's put all these people in a room together. And so we got, you know, mostly the residents, it's really hard to get people's time, right? And that, that's sure. one of the systems barriers. Like, how do you get floor nurses into a room? It's hard. But mm-hmm. we got charge nurses in the room. We got some pharmacists. We got some administrators. And we would bring up patient safety incidents that the residents filed, right? So this, there's something happened. Someone either almost got hurt or got hurt. And this is something that they, that mattered to them, right? Matters to them. That was the work that they were engaging in. And what was amazing was we just gave them the problem. We helped them with a little bit of QI tools and sort of working through it, but we let them run the show, right? We let the doctors, the, you know, the, the interns and residents, we let the nurses, we let the pharmacists, we let them figure it out. And it was amazing because the healthcare is so siloed. And every time we say that, we kind of don't even realize how profound it is. So, you know, normally these improvement efforts would be happening in one realm or another, and you'd come up with these ideas that seem great, and then they would crash and burn after like a lot of efforts putting into building them. But instead, in one hour, these people are coming together and an intern is saying, well, why can't the nurses just do this? And the nurses are saying, well, here's all the reasons. And it's, it's amazing because it was such a warm collegial conversation but it pushed the envelope you know sure. people were challenging each other definitely it was it was like robust it was vocal it was it was a great meeting in that way right yep. and it got through so much of that stuff that would have just failed early on and just having that conference about every month resulted in so many quality improvement projects that 
started off, you know, way ahead, way ahead, because people that already had buy-in, it already had buy-in. The idea itself came from the people doing the process, not just from the doctors, not just from the nurses, right? And all of that initial stuff got hammered out early on and said, oh, none of that'll work. None of that'll work. Okay, how about this? And it led to, you know, all kinds of improvements, improvements in the, the, how quickly we could get antibiotics to someone who had uh, newly detected sepsis on the floor. We changed everything around. Like we, we figured out how, which antibiotics to put in the Pyxis and how to get them there and all that, like because pharmacy was there, right? How to, you know, recognize vital signs, abnormalities, when to call, who to call. A huge part of it was just communication. How do you reach, how does the nurse reach the intern that they need to reach? It was so just complicated and we really were able to straighten it out by having people in the room together. So much improvement like continues to churn out of that conference. So the intervention from our part was just putting people in a room together, giving them a little bit of structure and letting them innovate, right? Letting them innovate and and bring their expertise. So I would say the bottom line was that we just broke down silos. Love that, man. That is so great. And uh, big kudos to you guys for being able to to create this forum and uh, totally resonates with you know what we're doing here on the podcast. This is why we're bringing you on to share your story, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so no, I appreciate that. From yeah. You. And so how about the other side of the coin? Uh, give me an example of something that didn't work and what you learned from it. Yeah, definitely. You know, I think this is, um, I have to say, when you ask me kind of like what didn't work, right? I'm thinking about failures. It's, it's a little different. I can tell you about all kinds of QI projects that didn't work and we learned from them and this and that. But I think what really sticks out is when I was the attending on service, right? I was the, sort of the top of the medical hierarchy, running around, teaching and all of that. And an elderly patient said something that was mildly inappropriate to one of the women physicians on the team. It, he commented on like how attractive she was or something. It was inappropriate, but kind of subtle. And it went by really quickly. Rounds went on. And I realized I totally missed that moment to say something, right? Mm-hmm. And it really got to me. You know, I was the role model on the team. I was the one representing professionalism. And by letting that slide, I kind of said that that's normal and that's okay. And the funny thing is I was so worked up about missing that moment that I didn't realize that I missed the second moment, which is just going and talking to her and saying, I recognize this and I'm sorry, I did. I should have said something. Mm-hmm. I didn't even do that, right? Yeah. And it, I think it may seem like kind of a, a small thing to say, like, this is the failure I'm thinking of, but I'm such a big believer in building a strong culture and my silence like really worked against that. I feel like if you have an opportunity to build psychological safety, right? you need to take it because if you're not building safety, you're losing it. Right. And so I've, I've sort of like become more and more cognizant of that. And, and I've realized that like sometimes you don't even know what's happening to your people, right? And this is definitely true for leadership, which is further and further disconnected, right? Who knows what's happening to that intern who's talking to that patient or to that CNA who's giving uh, like a, a, a sponge bath to, to an elderly patient in a nursing home or something, right? Like who knows what those conversations are like and what those people are experiencing. So if you can create that culture where people can expect to say things that are challenging and hard to hear and know they'll be heard, I think you'll start to hear those stories. And for me, it's still not easy to like to recognize those moments, but I think the key thing is it gets easier. And by making sure you have a constant dialogue about gender inequity, racism, all this stuff that, that really is happening, harassment, it's happening around us. And we kind of want to pretend like it's not. I think that each time I catch that and speak up about it, each time I ask about it, it gets a little easier. And I hope that that starts to 
build the kind of culture that we want to actually have. That's a great message, uh, Lakshman. And uh, I, I appreciate you sharing the story and um, definitely sounds like it made an impact on you. And wow, like these steps that you've taken since then to even bring it up on this podcast for others to take action. I really appreciate that. It's honestly, it's not easy. I think it's really foreign. Uh, a lot of times it feels really awkward to me because you, you were so trained to say like the patient is the sort of like the the one we defer to for so much. And, and I, I believe that, but it's also like, we have to set some boundaries and, and say agreed. what's kind of acceptable and not and protect our people, right? Totally agreed. Totally agreed. So tell us about an exciting project you're working on today. Oh, yeah, definitely. So, you know, right now, I think there's a couple of things that I'm, I'm really focused on burnout and joy and work. And I think that the reason is that those are the best lenses for me to see how to fix our broken system, because it's like, it's how we kind of care for each other and all that. So I think for me, what are the projects that I'm working on that are most exciting? There's a few. So I think one thing is building it's kind of so one thing is on, on, on the speaking side of things. Mm-hmm. I incorporate all of this into I recently spoke at the um, at AMDA, which is the um, nursing home directors organization. It's it's basically the Society for Post Acute and Long Term Care. So yes. I spoke at the Society of uh, Post Acute and Long Term Care recently about burnout and all of the work that I did there, all of the conversation I had was about building culture. It was about saying how do we build psychological safety? How can we work against against harassment and racism and all of that in our units. And then paired with that, how can we promote quality improvement? How can we empower the front line to make the processes better? So I think what I'm working on on the speaking side is kind of like getting that message out that burnout is rooted in systems issues and we can we can tackle those systems issues and it's more than we can. We really have to and we're the only ones that can, I think, you know? On the research side, I'm diving deep into what is really driving burnout. Like what are, what are the parts of the culture what are the parts of the of the way that we are delivering care that are that are making it so bad? You know, I think it's different for different people. I think it's different for a nurse in the ICU than it is for a primary care doctor than it is for a physical therapist. But the flavors are kind of different, but the themes are really the same. So I think it is important to understand that better because the solutions are never going to really be one size fits all, right? I think the themes of the solutions will be in the sense that People need to get out there and improve the work. I think being involved in improving the work, that itself can protect us a little bit against burnout, right? Mm -hmm. Being involved in making the work better gives you a sense of sort of personal accomplishment. But I think that understanding burnout, it's still such a young field, even though burnout literature has been around since, you know, the 70s, but really understanding what's happening today with the electronic medical record, with the way we pay for care and the struggles that patients have in, in getting care connected, all of that, all of that stuff is kind of new. And I think it's created a very different experience of care. Some great stuff that you have going on there, Lakshman. So keep up the awesome work. Really excited to, to see the findings that you bring from from your research, as well as the workflow improvements that you uh, that you come up with. So, Lakshman, at this point, we're going to do the lightning round. So, I've got a couple questions awesome. for you, <laughs> followed by a book that you'd recommend to the listeners. You ready? Okay. All right. What's the best way to improve healthcare outcomes? The best way, I would say, is to listen to doctors, nurses, and patients. What's the biggest mistake or pitfall to avoid? 
it's sort of paired with that, but it's thinking that you are the expert. You know, in leadership, we so often see we're, we're managing so much, making so many decisions, but we're not the experts. The experts are the people involved in the local processes, and that's the people delivering the care and receiving the care. And I think all of us as improvers, administrators, innovators, we're all here to use those skills to help make their jobs easier, right? To make the job of being a clinician or a patient easier. And you can't do that without their insight. How do you stay relevant as an organization despite constant change? This might sound a little counterintuitive, but I think the key to staying relevant today in healthcare is to focus on joy. Amy Edmondson points out that one of the key steps in building psychological safety is to reframe failures, right? Mm -hmm. And I think reframing them as systems failures, not individual failures, and to reinforce that motivation. I think staying relevant, focusing on joy, motivation is so critical. We take so much of that motivation for granted every day. We want to stay relevant. We should make sure that our people are reminded every day by us, in person, how important their work is, how important they are to the mission. Because when you're in it and when you're churning through all that stuff, you're going to forget a little more every day when you're going through the paperwork and the meetings and all of that stuff. So you've got to find that spark that they come in with and you've got to feed it and it's not going to happen on its own. Love that. And uh, what's one area of focus that drives everything in your work, Lakshman? Let's say for me, I think it's, it's really the relentless drive to improve joy and improve outcomes by fixing broken systems and building better culture. That could not have been more succinct, my friend. I love that. (laughs) (laughs) Value, value, value right there. (laughs) (laughs) Folks, focus on joy today. Don't make it complicated. Focus on joy. Think about how you could do that. Make the ripple effect that Lakshman is creating here touch you. So I have two more questions in this lightning round, more on a personal note. The first one is, what is your number one health habit? My number one health habit for myself is probably the combination of uh, sort of distance running, which I know a lot of people kind of say, I love it. It like Mm. gets me free from both my, like from all obligations. I feel truly liberated and I can like really think while I'm out there, you know? That's awesome. Um, And baking, which is kind of... That's I come cool. back and eat lots of bread <laughs> that I've baked. So. That's awesome. What's your favorite thing to bake? Well, I've been really into sourdough lately. So I have oh, like a cool, sourdough man. starter that is my, wow. one of so my So you children. make your own bread and stuff. Yeah, yeah. It's not, it's not that hard. Once I, you know, I kind of like apprenticed with one of my friends. I went to his house and like watched everything. <laughs> That's so. awesome. Yeah. I love that. So what is your number one success habit? I think my number one success habit is probably reflection. But when I say reflection, it's, it's pretty active reflection. It's, it's conversation, really. So sure. I think the thing I do is that I put myself out there and I say things that I think are a little bit pushing the envelope to people that I really respect. And yes. I get really, you know, what I'm fortunate to have is that I get incredible feedback. So for example, when, like, when I was at ACGME working with Clear, I was the resident representative at that time. I represented the trainees in, in a pretty huge mo- like, um, organization. And it was uh, you know, sitting in that room with people all around me who are incredible, brilliant, insightful, way, way like veterans in their careers. And I'm here I am. I felt like you know, I just kept saying things. And it was amazing how much I learned and how much I had been wrong about. But I think I guess I'm kind of like getting a little convoluted here, but the success habit for me is in putting things out there and getting feedback constantly all the time from everyone. Love that, man. It's a great habit. Thank you for sharing those. And and what book would you recommend to the listeners? 
I kind of have mentioned this a few times, but I would say right now the book that is really motivating me and, and giving me direction is The Fearless Organization by Amy C. Edmondson. Hmm. It's um, just an awesome read about it. It makes in, in very concise words the importance, the data behind the importance of psychological safety, what it really means in every industry, and how to build it, how, how anyone can and has to be contributing to it, and how, how much of an impact that can have on, on everything. Great recommendation, Lakshman. Listeners, for the full transcript of today's interview, as well as links to the books recommended and other resources mentioned, go to outcomesrocket.health. And in the search bar, type in Lakshman. That's L-A-K-S-H-M-A-N. You'll find all of it there. Lakshman, this has been fun. I've uh, really enjoyed our talk. Oh, yeah, me too. This is awesome. Thank you. Hey, before we leave, though, I'd love if you could just leave the listeners with a closing thought and then the best place where they could get in touch with or continue the conversation with you. Sure. So I think um, I think my closing thought is that the entirety of the way we deliver care and receive care pushes us to think otherwise. It pushes us to think not this, but it's so important to remember that all of us who are in this game, who are here to care for people, we bring our whole selves to it. We are caring, extremely skilled, educated, talented people. And we make mistakes because the systems that we work in are incredibly complex and fragmented and let us down. And it's so easy to blame other people and to feel that, to see blame really everywhere around you. But we got to avoid that. We got really got to support each other. And we got to understand that people are here with good intention and good backgrounds and good skills. And we need to help everyone succeed. What a great, great parting message. And you were going to share your best place to... Oh, yeah, yeah. So probably, honestly, the easiest way is probably Twitter or LinkedIn. It's okay. uh, Lakswamy, L-A-X-S-W-A-M-Y. Outstanding. Folks, there you have it. Lakshman Swami. Just chatting about physician and clinician burnout, focusing on joy, psychological safety, and making sure that we're doing the best that we can do so that we live in a joyful way. So Lakshman, just want to say thank you so much and uh, definitely looking forward to staying in touch. Yeah, definitely. Thanks so much, Saul. This is awesome. Thanks for listening to the Outcomes Rocket podcast. Be sure to visit us on the web at www.outcomesrocket.com for the show notes, resources, inspiration, and so much more. 